0: Well, we're gonna get into the message this morning. I'm excited about sharing this message with you this morning because I think it's a great message for all churches, all churches. And uh, God spoke one word to me in January, one word. And it was very sharp, it was very clear, it was to the point and it was not mean, it was not harsh, it was just sharp and to the point. And you know, when you hear your daddy's voice, you know, he could say, fellas, you know, you know, it's your father. Well, it was just like that. He just spoke one word and he said for the church and myself included, we are to refocus, refocus. And I said, I mean, it just kind of shocked me. And I said, God, what do you mean refocus? I know what focus means. I know what refocus means, you know, readjust what you're looking at. I know what that means, but what do you mean by refocus? What are you telling me? He never said another word, nothing. So I thought, well, I'll look up focus. Maybe I'm missing something. I'll look it up. So I looked it up and it says it means a central point of attraction, of attention, or of activity so a central point of attraction could be a person or a thing that draws you that entices you or that allures you it could be a new car you know nothing bad it could be a new car it could be a new motorcycle a new home whatever the attraction is then the central point of attention is a concentration of the mind on a single object or thought then the central point of, of activity is a specific deed, action, or function of actions. So it really told me nothing that I that I didn't already know because it's basically you are concentrating on one thing. When you are focusing on something, you're concentrating on one thing. Now, like I said, it might be that new car, David, that you was telling me about the other day that he wants it. He's hid behind Sharon's back. You know, no, I mean, you know, they concentrate, oh man, I could get these wheels for it or I can do this for it or I can, you know, put this in it or put that in it. They might be concentrating on that and then women, if they're getting a new home, they're concentrating on the drapes and the furniture and all the good stuff that they can put in it, all right? But when God gave me the word refocus, then I knew we had lost our focus. We had lost it. So, it meant for us to redo or refocus right so it meant church that we have gotten our eyes that we have gotten our minds or our thoughts or our actions or our passions off of the things that God wants us to focus on and we've got it on other things now he's not saying bad things just other things you know just other things We've got our attention, our attraction, and our activity away from what God is wanting us to focus on. Maybe because we're dealing with all these things that is going on in our lives, you know, like Janie said today, maybe it's because of that that we've lost our focus. You know, maybe it's because of what you're going through at this moment we've lost our focus. Or maybe it's because of the trials and the tribulations that are hitting you in the face Every day. You know, you look around this congregation and you say, oh man, Annie and Ray, they got it made. You don't know what they go through. You could look at Carol and Charlie and say, wow, they got it made. You don't know what faces them every day. You don't know what faces Pastor and I every day. Trials, tribulations, all this stuff will cause you to lose your focus. God says, refocus. Now, I'm going to use an example here, and you're probably going to think I'm getting off on a rabbit trail, but I'm not. Now, how many of you in here know Tiger Woods? Probably almost everybody in here, right? Well, you know that he is one of the best golfers in the world. You know that, right, church? The best golfer in the world. What was he focused on? Golf. What was his eyes on? Golf. What was his passion on? Golf. What was his thoughts on? Golf. Absolutely. He started teeing off at the age of two years old. He won the U.S. Masters at Augustus in 1997. I'm just going to give you a little bit. He's got a list this long. He has won 79 official PGA Tour events, 14 majors. He is the most career earnings of any player in the PGA Tour history. In other words, he's made more money than anybody, any, any other golfer. He is one of the five players to have won all four professional major championships in his career, and he was the youngest to do so. He was a PG player of the year 11 times. My goodness. I mean, this guy has a list. What was Tiger Woods focused on? Golf. What was his passion? Golf, absolutely. Now, how many of you, that's a, that was his whole life, that was everything. His life was just concerned, focused, everything was on golf. How many of you heard the news? the news about Tiger about a week and a half ago? Some of you? Okay, all right. What has happened to Tiger Woods? What has happened to him? Well, one of the most successful men on top of his game, and he gets picked up for DUI, drinking under the influence. Again, again, because he got picked up in 209 for it. But now he gets picked up again. He's trying to say it's for the medication. He's taking some kind of medication. But the policeman said, no, I smelled it on his breath. And he wouldn't take I don't think he would take a breathalyzer but the guy is 41 years old church 41 couldn't he have known to take a taxi home couldn't he have known to take uber home you know Ephesians 5:18 says this and I'm not teaching on wine but here's what it says and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit listen Drinking caused Tiger Woods to not be able to think right. Drinking caused him not to be able to see right. Drinking caused him to not be able to walk right. He didn't even know when when the policeman come up to the car. He said, sir, do you know where you're going? He said, no, no. He said, do you know where you are? He said, no. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know where he was going, you know, and I'm sure he is headed home, but drinking caused him, church, to lose his focus, costing everything. But anyway, back in the last time he lost his focus, he lost his family. He lost his wife. He lost his babies. I think he had two babies, I think, and he lost those he had went out on his wife with 11 to 12 women and he got caught for a DUI same thing now so he lost his focus on his golf game now his career now back then they kind of forgave him for it and he kind of was moving up the ladder again oh no this time his career's basically in the toilet in the toilet now He's lost his income or part of his income because Nike just come on the news and said they were going to give him $40 million, $40 million, to sponsor their clothes and ads and all that, and they're pulling it. They're pulling it. I'm saying all these things, church. He's lost his prestige. He's lost his respect. He's lost his reputation. He's lost his... Uh, influence he can't influence anyone anymore because they they just have no faith in him they have no trust they have no respect for him all of this was self-induced brought on and caused by himself why because he lost his focus on what was important church you and i we can't lose our focus on what is important Our focus is eternity, our focus is the cross, our focus is Jesus, our focus is the Word, our focus is God's plan for our life. We cannot lose our focus, no, no, but when we get intoxicated with the things of the world, see, when we get intoxicated then we get beside ourselves, just like Tiger Woods. We don't know where we're going. We don't know where we're at, so we lose our focus. We lose it. And then the church gets into strife, division, every evil work. We get into offense. We get into divorce. You know, you lose your families. Listen, your family is one of the most important things in your life. You know, your kids, your husband, they're, they're the most important. They lost their families then. You get in and you start taking on worldly attributes. Worldly attributes, you start having affairs. Oh, it's all right. You know, she'll never know. He'll never know. You start having affairs. So there's too many things coming at you in your life. It's coming at you. um, And we start, church, accepting them. We just start accepting them. You know, oh, well, we get desensitized to the world. We really do. And a person sat on my porch about a week and a half ago and they said, I went to a movie and they said, and I just thought it was a shoot 'em bang 'em up movie. I didn't think about, you know, all the cursing in it. And they went to this R-rated movie thinking it was shoot 'em bang 'em up. And because they, they kind of they hide that stuff from you. They don't show you all the cussing when they do those trailers, you know, and you're watching those trailers. So anyway so he goes to this movie, he's sitting with this or this person sitting with this other guy and they're watching this movie and it's one curse word after another curse word after another curse word, just on and on. This person said, I felt so bad, said I felt horrible and I thought, should I get up? Should I leave? No, I guess I'll just sit here. The other person's sitting here, guess I'll just sit here, but they felt horrible. When they left that movie theater, they said, I'll never do that again. And they went home and they bought something, I think to, for their TV or however it was. I mean, we have—we used to have a cuss router and all that, but they bought some kind of package of a TV to stop all that from even coming in. Now that is a man of God. That is a man of God when he sees he's done something wrong and he says, okay, I'm gonna correct this. See? now. One, one other person told me they went to a movie and there was all this cursing. And they said they went the second time to the movie and they were desensitized to another movie. And they, they could see they were getting desensitized. See, that's the world, honey. That's the world getting in you. But then they stopped. They said, I'll never go to another one as well. Now, uh, in Matthew, the 14th chapter, we all know this story. But we're going to hopefully look at it a little different today. Matthew, the 14th chapter and the 24th verse. Hopefully they'll put it on the screen. Now, it says this, and I want you to get a visual of this at night happening. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. That's talking about Peter. Now, right in the middle of the sea, in the midst, right in the middle of the ocean, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, it's saying tossed with waves. Now, if the ship is tossed with waves, it's not just a light little wind blowing, you know, because the wind was just a little bit contrary. Oh, no, This this was bad. And how many of you have seen the deadliest catch? Yeah, you know what it's like, don't you? Okay, that's the way I picture this. I picture these waves being 30 and 40 feet high and they're coming across this boat and they're, they're, you know, the boat's rocking from side to side. So it says this, so, but the ship was down in the midst of the sea tossed with waves for the wind was contrary. Now see these deadliest catchmen; they risk their lives every day for, I don't know, three months, three months or something like that. It might be six months, I don't know. But they're out there on the ocean making their living and risking their lives to get crab—that's their livelihood for their family—and uh, so I can just picture on that night that Jesus come walking across the water. I think it was like that. And then it says, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "Oh, it's, it's a spirit!" And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, this is Jesus, he said, come. Now, we know that come is God's word. He said come, right? So we know he told Peter to come. All right, that's God's, Jesus' word. And Peter was come down out of the ship and he, what did he do, church? He walked on the water. What did he do? And the third time, what did he do? So he was using his faith, wouldn't you say? He had his focus on the word of God when Jesus said, come, He had his eyes on Jesus. He had his thoughts and his mind on Jesus. And for him to step out of that boat and and get in that ocean, he had his actions on Jesus. He had his total focus, church, on Jesus because he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, it says, but when he saw. mm, But when he saw, so he looked. As he was going, and he had his eyes on Jesus, and he had his focus on the word, he looked at the waves coming at him. And he looked at the spray in his face hitting him. You know, because if if the wind was boisterous, it ain't going to leave that water calm. It's going to be like this. It's going to be horrible. Now, so, he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he got his eyes off of the word when he saw the wind boisterous. It says this, he was afraid. Now, if you've been a Christian for any time at all, you know that when you become afraid, fear comes in, faith goes right out the door. Faith goes right out the door. So fear pushed all the faith out. And when he saw, when he looked at his circumstances, when he looked at what he was going through, when he looked at these things coming at him, see, all these things coming at him, it says and beginning to sink he wasn't sinking at all he was walking on the water but when he started becoming afraid is when he began to sink and he cried out saying Lord save me he's getting his focus back on Jesus and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and he caught him and he said unto him O thou of little faith wherefore didst thou doubt now I'm going to go right here, but I'm going back to the story. In 1 James 1, 6, 7, and 8, it talks about a doubtful mind or a double-minded man. Now when the devil church starts bringing one thought, one doubt thought to your mind, listen, we, we start drifting. We start drifting toward that doubt. We really do. We've all been there. There's not one of us in here that's, that's not guilty. I'm guilty. We start drifting toward that, that uh, doubt. We start um, focusing on that doubt. We start meditating on that doubt. But what we need to do, church, seriously, because it's in our, our situation, we start meditating on the situation or meditating on our circumstances, but we need to start speaking to it. Start contradicting it, that doubt. And what do you do that with? The Word of God. You start speaking what the Word says to that doubt. We have to reestablish what God's Word says. And we have to direct, redirect our th- thoughts and our focus on the Word of God. What does the Word say about your situation? We're healed by the stripes of Jesus. You know, He's got an answer for everything, church. That we are going through. Then in verse thirty-two it says, And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Now, so to go back, Peter got his focus off of Jesus and off of the Word of God and onto the waves and on to the boisterous wind and onto his circumstances. Things, guys, that like you and I that come at us every day, beating us in the face. Because that, that, that water was beating him in the face. Those waves were overtaking him. And the devil was whispering to him right on his shoulder. He was right out there with him. Well, you're going down. You're going down right now. You're going to drown. You're dead man walking. Yeah, he was walking. But he's like a dead man walking. And then, what do you, what do you think stepping out of that boat? Are you crazy? See, this is what happens. And he started looking at his circumstances. Oh my, Lord, I'm out in this water. What was I thinking? And he got his mind off of Jesus. He got his mind off of the word because God just said, come. You know, Ed, Pastor Ed was saying something about obedience. Come. That was the only word he gave him. That was being obedient. And he did. Okay. So, but along with the help of Jesus... He had to refocus because he cried out to God. Now church, maybe you and I are looking, maybe we're focusing on our circumstances and not on Jesus and this is why, which I do believe, this is why God told me to preach on refocus. Because maybe you don't have a job. Maybe you don't have a job. It's one of the scariest places to be in today's society. Electric's gone up, heat's gone up. I went to the grocery store the other day, could not believe a bill for two for groceries. It was crazy. You know, or maybe you've got a job and it just ain't paying your bills. It's just not enough to pay your bills. Or maybe you're in and out of the hospital and you're causing your family and you stress, stress. These are circumstances, church. These are situations that the church gets in. Maybe your marriage is is a mess and you don't know how to fix it. You have no idea how to fix it. You hate him, he hates you. That's all there is to it. Maybe you're struggling with your business and there's no cash flow coming in. So now you realize you got to lay off Maria. You're going to have to lay off Joe and you're going to have to lay off Sarah. And you don't want to because times are too hard. They're too tough. But there's no cash flow coming in so what are you going to do and maybe your children are on drugs and you think i've helped them i've done everything i know to do to get them out of this mess i don't know what else to do well god says there's other things to do if you look in the word he says you and your household shall be saved You start praying for those kids, and you start binding that devil, and you start coming against it. You start fasting. You start praying. You get in the word, and I'm telling you, you and your household shall be saved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I remember a time when Pete and that pastor and I did not have money to pay our tithe or to eat. We could do one or the other. When we lived in that little house, on south street seriously we we he and I both worked and so we had income coming in for with two jobs but then he quit his job and said that God had called him into the ministry which that was fine with me I was totally behind him and so he would pray every day he would read every day he would study every day he would seek the Lord I was very proud of my husband he did what God had told him to do. And so anyway, when the paycheck, my paycheck come in, we were used to, you know, he had bass boats and, and the best bass equipment you could have and all the latest lures and the big hipster boots. And I mean, he had everything imaginable, but I had to pay for it and with one check. So the budget was here and my check would come in and it was here. And I would look at the budget, and I'd look at the check, and I'd, I'd th- I didn't say anything to Pete because I do all the bills. And I thought, God, if I pay my tithe, according to this, what I'm looking at, if I pay my tithe, we will not eat this week. But if I eat this week, then I won't be able to pay my tithe. So I'm going to do what my daddy taught me. And I'm not talking about the Heavenly Father. I'm talking about my earthly daddy. He said, Don't you ever not pay your tithe. Phyllis, you pay your tithe. I don't care what happens, you pay your tithe. So I thought, I'm gonna do what my heavenly or my earthly father said. I'm gonna pay my tithe. God, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but you're gonna do it. And sure enough, listen, we never lacked for food. Never, ever, ever did we lack for food. And I paid my tithe, and I couldn't tell you to this day how that happened. I don't know. It was God. You know? It was God. Amen. I I couldn't tell you. So, church, I'm telling you this. These are tough times, but we got to refocus, okay? We got to get our focus back on the Word. Get it back on the Word. Get it back on Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke, the 12th chapter, the 29th through through verse 32. It says, and seek not what you shall eat. Or what you shall drink, and there's another scripture in there that talks about or what you shall wear. Neither be ye of a doubtful mind. Remember we talked about the doubt over there. It's a killer. It's a killer of your faith. So you have to refocus. It says for and then verse 30 said, For all these things, excuse me, do the nations of the world seek after, and your father knoweth. Hmm. Your father knoweth. That you have need of these things are you a father David did you know what your son needed when he was growing up you need, you know he needed shoes he needed food he needed clothes for school he needed school supplies he needed to go to the dentist you knew all of you mothers all of you fathers know what your kids have need of so does our Heavenly Father he knows what we have need of he really does And he says, but rather, he said that you have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but see, I was seeking the kingdom of God when I was paying my tithe. I'm not telling any of you to do that. I'm just saying I did it. When I was paying my tithe over thinking I was going to eat or I was going to starve, you know, I was seeking the kingdom of God. And uh, we always had food. And then down in verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock. Fear not, little children. Fear not, my babies. You know, we're his little babies. We're his children. You know? For it is your what? Your father's good pleasure. It is his joy. It's his happiness. It's his satisfaction. It's his desire. It's his delight. It is his delight to give you the kingdom so we need to refocus we need to get our eyes back on Jesus get our eyes back on the word don't lean to your own understanding I'm telling you you're going to fail every time don't lean to your own self you know uh, overtime is great it's great but don't depend on it don't trust in it you know what I'm saying and so then a garage sale is great I used to have bed sales all the time they'd make me three four hundred dollars sell my clothes. You know, but I didn't depend on it. Don't depend on your garage sale. Don't depend on that stuff. You depend on God. And maybe there, you you feel you have to have two jobs just to make it in today's society. I'm telling you now, don't put your trust in those two jobs. Don't put your faith in those two jobs, but put your faith in God and what his word says. Now, Church, we can't look at our circumstances and we can't look at our situations through the devil's eyes. Oh, because he is such a father of lies. He is the author of lies. If his mouth is open, he's lying. So if he's telling you bad stuff in your ear, his mouth's open, he's lying. He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. So we can't look through the eyes of doubt or through the devil's eyes of doubt and unbelief. Because we know it's a killer of our faith, right? Now, we can't look through the eyes of hurt. Maybe some of you have been hurt. I know probably all of us have been hurt at one time or another. Maybe someone has hurt you. You know what? We're adults. We're big. We're grownups. We forgive and we go on. We love these people anyway. And we forgive and we go on. Maybe you've been hurt, like I said. But don't look through the devil's eyes. Because he'll say, oh, oh, don't you hate him? Don't you hate them? Don't you hate, you know what I'm saying? And so you can't do that. Or maybe you've come from another church where you were hurt. And you said, well, I'll just move over to Only Believe Ministries. You know, and I'll go over there. That's fine. That's wonderful. But forgive those people. Forgive the ones. Listen, we were in a church, our first church had seven splits. (laughs) Seven splits and we were just newly saved. You know, we didn't know what was going on. All we went with was the word. If the word said it, we stayed with whoever was preaching the word. But anyway, so listen, we're adults, we're big people. We gotta pull our big pants up. You know, pull our big pants up. Get over these little peddly things that the church does to you or somebody's done to you, or something like that. We gotta forgive and move on. And and maybe. You've loaned somebody money, you know, a big amount of money. And, and they've never paid you back. And you know what? That can be a big problem. Oh, my goodness. You know, when money's involved, it's a big problem. But you know what? Listen, I had two people that owed me a lot of money. And I asked one for it, and I didn't ask the other one for it. I just went to God. And, I just, and, and the one didn't give it to me, never did give it to me. But anyway, I went to God, and I said, you know, God, I sow that, I sow it, I give it in to that person, and I sow it because I know my seed will grow, it will grow, because I hold nothing against those people, nothing, absolutely nothing, so don't look through the eyes of the devil with hurt, don't look through the eyes of the devil if you've been disappointed, because he's going to make you mad at God, You know, say that you you wanted this job and you were qualified for this job. And they took uh, uh, one of their kids or, you know, nepotism, how that goes. They took one of those, uh, their kids or whatever, over you. And I, man, God, why didn't you give me that job? You know, God, that I needed that job. You know I did. You know, and now why did you not let me get, see, the devil's going to put all that junk in your head. Or maybe you've been disappointed by a friend listen we hurt each other all the time and don't mean to all the time you know get over it like I said forgive them and move on let it go let it go we're bigger than that and then maybe like Ashley was saying up here someone in your family has died you know what and you're kind of upset with God you're mad at him God why did you take them you know people do that David they do They get mad at God why did you take them well you know what listen they wouldn't come back if they could come back they would not come back they'd say leave me alone David I don't want to come back I'm in heaven why would I want to come back there so when God's telling us to refocus he's talking in every area of our life and he's saying look at the situation again through my eyes Through my eyes, not the devil's eyes. Now, how many of you have ever looked through binoculars? Probably everybody in here. Well, I have a pair sitting on my counter next to my sink because I can see the back of our pond from doing dishes. I've seen coyotes out there. I've seen uh, deer. In fact, a deer got cut in half the other day by a coyote out there and ate. Oh, yeah, it was awful. But anyway, so I've seen deers, coyotes, uh, cats, dogs, all kinds of little critters out there, you know. So I have those binoculars so I can see clear. So now the grandkids tease me and say, yeah, you're looking at the neighbors. Well, I can't see no neighbors. There's woods behind my house. You know, but them grandkids, they just, you know, get you going. But anyway, so I'm like refocusing because there's something out there and I can't see what it is. And I'm refocusing, and I still can't see it. So it's all blurry and everything. And I thought, that little Quentin Waters, he's been messing with my binoculars. I can't see a thing. Then finally it ran off in the woods. So, hey, I don't know what it was. But anyway, so when you're in these situations, why I'm trying to say this, when you're in these situations, you can't see clear. Because you're in the forest, and you can't see for the trees. You've heard that expression. Well, that's, that's the truth. So what do we have to do? Here I was trying my best to refocus, and it didn't happen. So we have to readjust the way we're thinking, the way we're looking at things in our lives, and looking at it in a different way. You know, I'll check my time. Well, I better not use that one. So God says this. Remember, it's God. It's Daddy's good pleasure to take care of us daddy's good pleasure to take care of us to give to us and to prosper us now being unfocused will bring fear if you can't see things clear and you're hearing something outside at night oh yeah it'll bring fear absolutely and and you just can't see things clear and so fear like I said shoves out faith now we're not going to go over these stories I mean we're going to I'm going to tell you a little snippets about them but y'all know the story of Goliath right well, you know he was a champion, he was a person that was undefeated, he had, he had defeated all of his opponents. He wore a helmet of brass and I can't imagine that because I have this little brass inkwell on my desk in the bedroom and I'm thinking, wow, that thing's heavy, a helmet of brass. He wore a coat of mail, don't know what the mail was made out of, I'm sure it wasn't U.S. mail. <laughs> But anyway, you know, with them coats of mail. And then he had brass on his legs. He had brass between his shoulders. His spear weighed six, just the tip of it, weighed 600 shekels of iron. I don't know what a shekel is. Don't know how much it weighed. But 600 shekels of iron. And he had his armor bearer out there carrying his shield. Now, you know what's happening here. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel. We're just going to look at three scriptures. First Samuel, the 17th chapter, and the 10th verse. And it says, And the Philistines said, Now we're oh, we're talking about Goliath. Let me let me set the stage here. They're getting ready to do battle. Goliath is a Philistine, and all the Philistines are on one side of the mountain, and, and uh the army of Israel is on the other side of the mountain. So they're getting ready to do battle. Now, in verse 10 it says, And the Philistines said. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, remember, fear pushes out faith, all right? Then down in verse 16, it says, And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. So, in other words, the giant was a big bully. Now think about this, he he was challenging the army of Israel and he would come out early in the morning and he would make his threats. He would tell them all the things and I'm sure it wasn't just this that was on there. I'm sure he was telling them all the things he was going to do to them. What was that doing? It was bringing fear and it was bringing torment upon these soldiers ruining their whole day, their whole day. See, because they probably wanted to you know get them together and strategically plan whatever they were going to do well you can't concentrate when a bully's after you you know we've all probably been bullied at one time or another and and when a bully will come to you in the morning you're on the bus meet me behind the gym after school I'm gonna beat your head in I'm gonna crush your teeth or whatever they do kick your guts out or bloody your nose or Whatever they say, what what are you thinking of all day long? Nothing but that. See, that's what Goliath was wanting them. He was wanting to do this to the soldiers. He wanted to ruin their day. He wanted to ruin it. He wanted to bring fear. He wanted to bring torment upon these soldiers so they could not carry out their duties. Now, and that's what bullies do. You can't concentrate. You couldn't concentrate on your homework. Couldn't concentrate on The teacher, what she was saying, all you was thinking of was, oh, man, how am I going to fight this guy after school? What's going to happen? He's going to kick my teeth in. He's going to kick my guts in. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? So, see, he was very smart. Now, and then he would come out again before dark. And he would make his threats again. So their nights would be miserable, miserable. And they would lose sleep and be afraid. And when you, (laughs) I've lost sleep now for two days. Menopause. Help me, deliver me. No, I didn't go to sleep till five o'clock the other morning, all night long. And then last night, I went to sleep, woke up, went to sleep, woke up, went to sleep. Three, woke up at three o'clock. I was up for two hours, and so here I am. But anyway, so when see he would do that so that he would he would uh, make them lose sleep and be afraid. And when you lose sleep, you're weak. You're tired. All you can think about is, I want a bed somewhere. I want to go to sleep, you know. So I told you that to tell you this. The devil wants you to walk in fear. He wants you to live in fear. He wants you to live in anxiety. What are we going to do, honey? Mildred, what are we going to do? Honey, what are we going to do? He wants you to be angry at God. Well, God, you're not taking care of me. You're not doing anything. He wants you anxious. He wants you nervous about the circumstances and the situations that you are going through. And then he wants you mad at God. And and that just throws faith. I mean, you know, you're mad at God. Well, that's it. But what did God say? He says it's his good pleasure. See, if we can stay focused, church, on the word, we can get our mind that it's God. He's our daddy. He loves us. He's going to take care of us. It's his good pleasure, you know? So the devil, though, by doing this, he instills fear and into our lives. And when we get filled with fear, church, we do get our mind off what God can do, and we get our minds on what we can do. Oh, well, I'll just have to work two jobs. I'll have to do it. I'll just have to do it. You know, I have to sell my home. I have to do this. I have to do that. Downsize. I have to do that. No, don't do that. Listen, God says if we delight ourselves in him, he, he will give us the desires of our heart. But we got to delight ourselves in him, church. There's a a thing here. You got to delight yourself in God. Now, 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter. I'm watching my time. Uh, This was an unusual verse, but I thought it was good. It says, watch ye stand fast in the faith, Quit you like men, Q-U-I-T, quit you, quit you like men, be strong. So, looked up all those words. <laughs> Watch ye, says, keep awake. Give strict attention to. That's keeping your focus. Keep your focus, Christians. Then stand fast in the face, says, be cautious about anything that would pull you away from your faith. Stop being like, and it said this too, stop being like other men that does not belong to the faith. And it wasn't talking about sinners. It was talking about Christians, people of the faith. You and I, see, we understand the value of what we are involved in because it's eternity. It's eternity. It's heaven, that what we are involved in. And men that do not have faith, they are men that live haphazardly and haphazard people respond to life without a focus without a goal without a purpose they they lack uh, they have a lack of order they have a lack of planning in their life and they just respond to life dependent upon chance chance kesarah sarah whatever will be will be they that's the way they respond then it says this the quick you like men be strong says take heed in other words you know you pay attention you listen to what I'm saying take heed at least through indulgence your indulgence your desire your gratification whatever you're into some destructive calamity will overtake you that's what it says so if we don't keep our focus church and we don't reevaluate our lives, and we don't reassess our lives, then what will happen? We'll find ourselves in a mess because that thing's going to overtake us. All right? Now, you know that everything operates out of faith. Our values, our priorities, that's what we are to be focused on. Now, I want to say this about Judges. The 16th chapter, the 19th through the 20th verse, I'm just letting you. I'm not reading it. I'm just telling you little quips about it. Okay, remember Samson? I'm sure all of you do. He had been sleeping on Delilah's lap. We all know that. And when the Philistines came up on him, he said he had to shake himself, shake himself, and refocus. Shake himself and refocus. Have we allowed, church, Delilah's to come into our lives? to get our focus off of God, to get our focus off of the church, to get our focus off of our marriage, to get of our focus off of our family, our faith, the word of God, to get our focus off of prayer and off the things that God has called us to do. Have We let Delilah's come in and do that. Second Timothy three, one through seven, and I'm paraphrasing here. It talks about in the last days. Men will be lovers of themselves or pleasures more than lovers of God, and they will lead many women astray with their doctrine. Talk about with their doctrine or their teaching. Now, listen, I have people that come in my office and say, Pastor Phyllis, my boyfriend said it's okay to sleep with him because God is love. I said, what? What? Yeah, it's okay. He says it's okay because God's love, and 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 I love him, and he loves me, and God loves us, and it's okay if we <laughs> sleep with each other. <laughs> I, I, oh my gosh, I get so upset. So this is what God's talking about. See, they're lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure more than they're lovers of God, and with this crazy teaching and this crazy doctrine that is going around, they're leading women astray now don't let Delilah set you up for the devil to take you prisoner don't you dare let Delilah set you up for the devil to take you prisoner now I'm closing but remember David at Ziklag and I know we've all heard this story he had to refocus he and his men had left for three days remember that and when they came back home The whole city was burnt to the ground just ashes and and all their possessions were gone everything was gone everything and 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 their wives and their children was gone and David just sat down and he just cried now what if you pulled in your driveway and you looked you come home from work and you look and your house is totally burnt down everything you got is gone and your wife and children have been taken by terrorists by terrorists david he just i mean these are mighty men mighty soldiers they just sat down and they cried and then his men started coming against david hey we're going to stone him let's stone him it's his fault that we're in this mess it's his fault so now david had made these men who they were mighty men of valor They were, he made them who they were. Now they're mad at David. They're upset with him. So what does David do? David didn't depend on himself. He went to the Lord. David seeks the Lord. We cannot depend on ourselves, church, in these horrible, horrific situations. Any situation. Don't let God be your last resort. Let him be your first resort. All right? So David sought the Lord, and we all know, and we're not gonna discuss all that, but we all know that God gave David a word and he said, pursue, uh, overtake, and recover all. Now, you might say, Pastor Phyllis, God's not, I'm not hearing God. He's not giving me a word. He's not talking to me. Well, we're gonna correct that right now because I'm gonna tell you how to get a word from the Lord. Now, here's what you do to break that cycle. The first thing you do sincerity is so involved here as you pray i don't care if you got to go in the woods somewhere to get by yourself to get down on your hands and knees and you cry out to god and you pray and you pray with a sincere heart god i need your help i don't know what to do i don't know where to go i have i you know i'm i don't want to lose my focus but i'm about ready to lose my focus <laughs> help me you know And pray sincerely and tell him your problems I'm not a good prayer I'll be honest with you I just talk to God like I'm talking to you so I'm not like one of these fluent oh bless whatever and do this no I just pray and then start reading your word and I know that all of you say you read your word but start really reading your word and I'm telling you you might have read a scripture a thousand times but now It's going to jump out at you because God's going to be telling you something through the Word of God. And it's going to jump right out at you and you're going to say, Okay, God, I got it. I got it. I got it. Now, and if that doesn't happen, then you pull out the big guns. All right? And that's the fasting. And I'm telling you, if you'll fast for three days, get that flesh under, put that flesh under, And start fasting for three days. And if you're living right, now listen to this. This goes along with it. I want you to hear this plain. If you're living right and not wanting your own way, but wanting God's way, God will reveal to you what you need to do. He will reveal to you what you need to do. So, church, I am closing now. We have to keep eternity in our focus, in our focus before us. We have to keep the cross before us. We have to keep God and his word and our church before us. We have to keep our family before us. Our marriages, we have to be focused on our marriage because I'm telling you they're falling apart like dead flies falling off of whatever. I mean, marriages are falling apart. The devil's trying to destroy the foundation Of our marriages so he can take your children captive okay so then you have to uh, keep your focus on your finances now we have to refocus God's not asking us to he's telling us to so quickly I'll just run through them real quick how do we refocus we got to realize and we have to admit that we have lost our focus number one we have to realize that we are so loved by God that it makes him happy to take care of us he is so ecstatic to take care of us and then don't get your eyes off of Jesus and get them on your circumstances but trust in the Lord don't let fear in don't let it come in the minute you hear something the minute something happens to you you jump right into prayer jump right into the word so trust in the Lord then seek the Lord in prayer, seek the Lord in the word, seek the Lord in, the fast, in fasting. Keep your mind, your eyes, and your actions on God and stay focused. Church, I mean, he gave it to me as plain as day when he said, focus, refocus. So I knew to refocus, you have to redo. So we'd lost our focus. Now, I'd like for all of you that want to refocus, I'd like for all of you, just come on down here. I'm not going to lay hands on you, but we're going to all hold hands. And we're, and it's not bad to, listen, I had to refocus. We all have to refocus. Church, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Get your mind and your eyes back on God where he needs to be. Number one. Number one. Nobody else but number one. Okay, now, I hate to ask you this, but hold hands. Because I'm telling you, God is in this house. He wants us to refocus. He wants us to be unified as a body. He loves us so much. He loves you so much. You know, and he wants us to be unified. Now, I've got an old sweaty hand if somebody will give me theirs. Oh, brother, you don't want my hand. But I'll give it to you sweating all okay are we all no they're still coming come on down guys come on down and I know some of you probably can't God honors that just come on down grab hands grab hands with somebody I'm just waiting just waiting hallelujah I'm telling you we're gonna we're gonna refocus we're gonna be in unity with what God wants all right we all down here nope couple more coming okay we'll just wait more grab someone's hands okay father I want you guys to repeat after me heavenly father I come before you and I know God that I need to refocus I'm asking you Lord to help me help me like you did Peter help me to believe the word to trust in the Word and to not get my eyes off of you. I bind the devil in my circumstances and in my situations, and I loose the Holy Ghost to have his way in my life, and God, I believe in you. I know you're my Father. I know you love me. I know you provide for me. And you take care of me. And I will honor you with my service the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping me to get my eyes back on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry about the sweaty hands. Hallelujah! Now, since you're already down here, since you're already down here, are there anyone here? Is there anyone here that is not saved? That has not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? That would be a real big refocus. You see what I'm saying? Because they would they would transition from the world. And transition right in to what God wants them to do listen is there anyone here that's backslidden backslidden now God wouldn't have gave me this people I'm pretty sharp but listening to God and he wouldn't have gave me this I, I got to tell you this story somebody's looking at me and so it reminded me of a story but I'll just say this someone said something about me 20 years ago and it was a bad thing it was a bad thing and God spoke to me and he said they just talked about you and uh, so I said okay so 20 years later I asked this person and they said yes 20 years later can you believe that now that's how God writes things down oh I'm telling you it's, it's not good but anyway anyone anyone that wants to accept Christ I want you to cut right through the crowd If you're accepting Christ, to come right up here. Oh, praise God, we got some. Hallelujah. Come on up here, yeah. Come on down, I know you're coming. Now, have you been saved before? No, never been saved, girls. All right, come on up here. We got to make room for these others. Are you coming to get saved? Praise God, hallelujah. See, God is so good. Now, you know, guys, you're going to have to refocus your life from now on, right? And you know that. You're going to have to not do what you've done in the past and refocus, but God will help you. You're, you're sincere. You are definitely, but, I mean, all of you are, but I see the sincerity on your face. I see it in your heart, your eyes, your mind. I see it. This is so good. What, sweetie? Okay, honey. We will pray for him after. Just remind me after. You just go right on, sweetie. Go on, it. Okay. Oh, you want to stand in for him? Okay. All right. She wants to stand in for her brother. All right. So remember, we have to refocus after this. Okay. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. God, I'm a sinner, and I've sinned big time. But I ask you, Father, to come into my heart. Cleanse me of all the junk and the filth I have done. And and, and I ask you to forgive me, Lord, also. Come into my heart. Live inside me. As you live inside me. I will live with you. I will stay with you. I will walk with you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for coming into my heart and making me a new creature. I thank you, God, that all things are passed away. I have become anew because I have refocused on you hallelujah all right all right now we got some people It's going to take you guys and they're going to take you and give you a little book or talk to you about salvation stuff you already know but okay who are they where's my people okay all right go with Nita and John right there they the pretty lady with the badge I'm going to pray for you guys and dismiss and look i got you out at (laughs) 1202 a little bit different the pastor is usually 1210 no not really okay let's just pray heavenly father we just come before you lord in the name of jesus and god i ask you to bless each and every person that has come up to this altar today and the ones that can't make it up that are back in the back god bless them father watch over them god protect them take care of them this week and God I bind the devil from coming against them with problems situations circumstances I come against sickness and disease I come against problems God I ask you to grant them all jobs Lord if they need a job help them with their families God get them off drugs God I'm just asking you you are their Father, and you love them, and it's your pleasure to give to them. Now, I ask you, Lord, today, let them see a difference, Lord, in their lives and their families' lives, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Love you guys. Pastor will be here Sunday. He'll be here Sunday, so, and Joe McGee's Wednesday night, so I'm excited. It's who I